accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, one more time to Road Opinions! And this time, we have a very special uh, sequel to the Grapple Update. And we're here to talk about a little bit of Fighter Fest. We're here to talk a little bit about night one of the Great American Batch, which is in no way counter-programming. I don't see why anybody would think that. Um, there's no way that these two things warrant mutually exclusive and then they are i don't know we have a lot to talk about ladies and gentlemen i'm jimmy baxter and of course i could not have done this grapple update without my lovely and talented and just special special friends in the uh the a-team nathan greenaway and scott mcleod boys what's going on not a lot not, not a lot not a lot except for this new thing that i have learned would you like to know what i've learned Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to go to you with that in a second, but I wanted to make sure. Scott, how are you feeling? You're good? You're good over there? That that quiz you're working on uh, coming up real real tight? Oh, yes. Uh, surely to be my, I praise and joy, my, my masterpiece. But I'm looking forward to see what Nathan's got because, you know, every day is a school day, so I'm always willing to learn something new. Well, the one thing I'm not going to do, Jimmy, because as it turns out, you can be charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, if I was to throw an alligator at you, as a Florida man did quite, uh, quite a few years ago. Is this it, like on the street or would this happen to be in some sort of fast food establishment? This would happen, Jimmy. You, you've been on the same corners of the Internet as I've been on. This would happen to be at a fast food establishment, specifically a Wendy's, mm -hmm. where a man in Florida has, was charged with assault with a deadly weapon because he threw a three and a half foot reptile. Three and a half feet. That's nearly as tall as Scott. Into, <laughs> into a Wendy's fast food window. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. I... I have so many questions. One, how strong is this guy that he could pick up the, the alligator and throw it? Two, what was his beef with this particular Wendy's? Did he used to work there? I don't know. And two, the I, I think any, it doesn't have to be a gator to be uh, to solve a deadly weapon. I think if you throw any animal at someone, it should be classed as a deadly weapon. Well, I think it depends what state the animal's in. Like, not, not American state. I mean, literal state is it in like but my first instinct was like fast food places generally have like security windows and stuff like that like so how's he feeding this alligator through and also if it's a fast food place and it's a, it was a drive-through he's queuing up how's he keeping that alligator calm enough until he needs to throw it That's oh um questions he um there there's all there's like a whole thing behind this it's like he, he went and got the alligator uh, he put, kept it in his trunk until he got to the Wendy's. He apparently had a dispute with somebody. This this story is a little a little ways uh, happened a little ways back. And if you live in the country that I happen to live in, the greatest country on the face of the planet, the United States of America, God bless every single one of us. 
um, you you would know that Florida Man headlines literally just they always just come through like whatever news you're watching. You could be watching local news from New York, and they're like, "By the way, we know stuff sucks here, but check out what this fucking moron did in Florida." Oh, it's it's amazing because I've got a quote from the gentleman in question's mother, just right here, and she said, and I quote. It was just a stupid prank that he did. That's now turning into this. It's stupid. He's a prankster. He does stuff like this because he thinks it's funny. Like just throwing an alligator at someone in their place of work. But as we talk about the Florida man thing, have you guys ever done the Florida man Google thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't. No, but I know of it. Yeah, Scott, go onto Google right now. Type in the words Florida man and then just your birthday. And let us know what headline pops up. Okay, just give me a second. I'm getting it now. That's fine. The alligator looks like it has very good teeth in this photo. Like it's teeth and white. While we're while we're waiting, I I just googled uh, popular Florida men from 2020, um, and uh, this one just this one uh, this one strikes me as a little bit weird. A uh, Florida man encases himself in concrete to protest prison conditions. Brilliant. That's that's the best protest I've ever heard. Like so so what, he's gone to somewhere where people can't find him. That sounds like prison to be fair. Uh, according to the website that I'm on, filmdaily.co, uh, Trust, we're all uh, we're all for, for freedom of speech and things getting better in prisons, especially with COVID nineteen running oh. rampant. But this man basically locked himself in a con- in concrete outside of Florida's governor's home as part of his protest. Uh, here uh, he uh, He'll see you more as a security threat than a citizen speaking your mind. That is, of course, what will happen when you encase yourself in concrete outside the governor's mansion. <laughs> so it's just a statue outside this guy's house. Uh, it's more like a block, yeah, like a, like a big so did stone. The, did the guy die? I think he had a straw or something. Before. Uh... Before I give this headline, I'll have one more question this, this alligator thing. How old is this guy that his mother is having to defend him uh, being a prank? Excellent question, Scott. I'm glad you asked. Read your headline and I'll let you know. Uh, Florida man spots firefighter running towards angel in cloud. <laughs> Read that one more time. Spots what? Florida man spots firefighter running towards angel and clouds. Wow. I, I have no words. Yeah, I don't. I have no questions. No follow-up from me. Uh, he I mean, spotted an angel. No, he spotted a firefighter running towards an angel. That's what it says here. It's just multiple versions of the same headline uh, when I type in that yeah, I was born. So, yeah, I don't think we can really dispute it. Uh, well, I can't find the age of the man for you, unfortunately, Scott. The news articles do name him, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to start shit for him, so I won't name him. But they he's got enough going on. Yeah, he's he's got alligators to try and find. He doesn't need us f- furiously ruining his time. Uh, but he his age is is not there. But judging from a picture, I'm going to say late twenties. Hmm. I don't and know about. And in Florida age, because there's crystal meth in the water, that means he's seven years old. I don't know what other guys were doing 
other men were doing in Florida, but I do know what a bunch of wrestlers were doing in Florida this past hey. week. Hey, king of the segways. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a whole number of wrestlers uh, happen to be hanging out in what is now one of the hot spots for wrestling, uh, among other things, in America at the moment. And uh, that happened to be, we're going to stop over in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, first of all, for Fighter Fest 2020, night one. Uh, this took place, of course, at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, next to the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium, owned by the Pons, so you can put two and two together to equal 17. Um, <laughs> night one of yeah. Fighter Fest was a big up-and-down sort of event, uh, and we're going to go through it here. Five matches on the card, starting off with Jungle Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt taking on MJF and Wardlow. The match goes about 11 minutes and 15 seconds, according to Wikipedia in front of me. Um, this match was this match was a lot of fun, uh, but in the end, uh, MJF and Wardlow uh, couldn't ki- couldn't keep their shit together long enough, and Jungle Express picked up the big win. Scott, I'm going to go to you first. What did you think of the opening contest to Fighter Fest 2020? I thought it was a really strong uh, opener. Like I really enjoyed like the use of Wardlow, and I like the way they've really booked him. He's only really wrestled in squash matches outside of the coding match, and in like tag team situations like this. So the whole thing of like hiding weaknesses and showing the positives, and it was very surprising to see him. Like I don't want to jump ahead too far, but him taking the pin, like having him get pinned, like even though he's the muscle, I think in order to save MJF's like first proper singles loss a major match, I think you can get why they're doing that because they make a really strong point. His only loss was in a multi-man match and he was not pinned. So they really are saving that moment for like a big show down the line. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think that that's definitely the way to go. And I, I wanted to post this before I get um, Nathan, your your opinions on the, uh, the opening contest. Uh, I wanted to run this past you. I've heard a lot of people say that the way that they're building uh, Wardlow and MJF's dissension is sort of... Um, it, it rings a little bit similar to sort of the Batista turn from uh, after he won the Royal Rumble and he was uh, becoming more and more frustrated with Triple H before they ended up having their contest. So what do you guys think of that comparison between Wardlow and Batista? I think it's premature. Uh, I think there was, a, there was a lot of history. Like there was nearly, would have been about two and a half years of history between Triple H and Batista from when he joined Evolution to that point. And the reason Triple H turned to it was, was because he didn't want Batista to pick him uh, for his WrestleMania match after Batista won the Rumble. So I think there's a lot more stakes there. But I can certainly see it, uh, that they could easily build it up to that point. I think they need to have less dissension at this point. Because what they did in Evolution was they really built Batista up as the muscle. Like, he was having singles matches with Shawn Michaels. He had one with Kane at one point at one of the Armageddons. I can't remember which one. Uh, And, like, then Batista went off and he was a tag champion with Ric Flair for a bit. So there's a lot more history there. But you can certainly see that they could build that up. They just can't really rush it uh, at all. But... You know, and to go to the opening tag match, I thought it was good. It was a bunch of fun as well with Jurassic Express. I just thought MJF's promo before the match was a bit strange. Uh, And what I mean by that is that MJF kind of came out and told us why he shouldn't be in this match and why we shouldn't care. 
I don't know if anyone got that vibe or whether it's just me. I was too distracted with the fact that he was wearing green, pink, and Burberry <laughs> at the same time. Uh, that sort of threw me. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think the match overall was good. But, yeah, the, the promo beforehand was a little weird. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I definitely think that they're saving the, MJ- the first MJF loss for something big. I mean, who at this point would you guys like to even see beat that so-called undefeated streak of MJF? Uh, S- Scott, do you want to go first on that? I think if they were going to go like long term with it, I say like I think this is the end of the issues they've been having with Traffic Express for a while. I think you separate them in their own singles journey for a while, and then you eventually have Jungle Boy come back in a feed with MJF, and maybe Jungle Boy beats them. Yeah, I don't think it should go as big as I think some people talk about. It should keep going until he gets up to Moxley. Don't see personally. I don't see MJF really being at that level at the minute as a character. Like, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I th- I would agree with Scott that maybe Jungle Boy getting a sneaky win over him yeah. might might serve for some character development because I don't really understand this feud, and I think that's the point that I was talking about with the promo beforehand is that MJF was talking about oh I faced them, I've beaten them, Wardlow's beaten them, I've beaten them. And now they get this tag match, but it's for a ratings war. And, mm. and I was like, well, you just told us that you've already beaten them loads. So why should we care? I'm going to turn on and watch Lady Kane. I think the, the issue, like, the point we was making was, like, they're both, like, the two, like, two guys who are positioned as, like, the future of AEW. But India doesn't like that how much praise Jung Boy gets while he just basically gets this cocky prick. And then he, he like he tries to point out like that Jungle Boy says, "Oh, you're just loving off your your dad's money to get kind of that cheap heat mentioned in Jungle Boy's dad." And that's why I think because like, I don't want it to be one of the established guys that just beats MJF like a Moxley or like, someone like Cody or Omega. Because yeah, I'm sure they could like do it in a satisfying way. But I think if you get one of the other like younger guys that you're trying to build this promotion around, eventually once you when some of these young guys are get a bit older, then Having someone like Jungle Boy or even Darby Allen in the future beating them, I think, is more like it does more for them to beat MJF. And I do agree with the whole Wardle thing. I haven't seen much dissension between the two other than this example. So I think, yeah, keeping them together for a good while before you start the whole Batista thing because I haven't really, I haven't really seen the comparisons yet. I mean, I sort of get it to an extent where uh, there's been a few promos where like. MJF has been kind of like either short with uh, Wardlow or he's like poking at him and stuff. And there has been like little moments of dissension between them, but I agree. Definitely. I think it's too early. I think the two of them together should continue. And I think that I think MJF should stay undefeated until he beats Cody for the TNT championship. And then, and then I think either jungle boy, Darby Allen, somebody should beat him for the title, like in his first defense like, after he wins the TNT title. I just don't really get the... And this is just a me thing. This isn't me shitting on the guy. I know that people love to hate him and everything. I just don't find MJF to be that irritating. <laughs> like, not not that irritating. I don't see him as this giant heel force in wrestling that everyone seems to th- think that he is. Like, he's a little bit irritating, but... 
Like, I find the Miz way more fucking annoying than MJF. And people like that. Like, I don't really see why everyone, a lot of people want to put MJF on his pedestal. Like, maybe you guys can tell me why he should be up there. Because it is just a me thing. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to disparage the guy. I'm just saying, I don't really get why he's seen as this nuclear heat factory. I think it's because him being on national television sort of had, you have to water down the MJF character a little bit uh, to make him palatable. Uh, he cuts this promo. I was watching uh, GCW presents Joey Janela's lost in New York from a few years ago. And the opening contest is spider Nate web versus MJF. And the match is awesome. The match is a lot, a lot of fun, but he cuts a promo beforehand that is like, really really good and i see i'm an asshole in real life though so like i find the shit he says funny like i like at ceo uh the uh fighter fest from last year when he was just being a prick to all the video game nerds in the crowd i sort of was just like oh that's funny that's really funny um so i don't know yeah i mean i get that you know he gets people to not like him but he falls into that category of heels where like there aren't many of them left that like they don't want to be liked. That's the difference. They're not trying to be a bad person. They just are a bad person, and they couldn't give less of a fuck if you like them or not. Um, mm. And I think that's sort of like where the... But then, of course, that legend has sort of grown now, and MJF is MJF. You know, like people go, oh, you know, you, you hear... Sometimes before you even see MJF, you hear everybody just going, oh, this guy's, this guy's fucking phenomenal. He's you know, fire on the microphone and he's, he's just, he's just going to tear people apart and stuff. But then you got to sort of focus that energy more into getting heat globally and more into what he's doing locally on television. And that sort of cur curtails the heat a little bit, in my opinion. Um, you know, what doesn't help is that and help his case. We haven't mentioned the man, the myth, the legend that is uh, Y2J. Uh, who's on commentary for this entire event in a very audacious Canada Day jacket. But he's there, and this is a very modern fan thing that I don't necessarily like, is that Chris Jericho's there on commentary, and he says during the broadcast, um, I'm one of the greatest heels of all time. He says verbally, he goes, oh, MJF, he's a great promo. He's great in the ring. He sings like that. He's using a lot of insider terms, so... And I hate that because I just think like, no, I like the escapism. I like to believe that this is real whilst I'm watching it. I know it's not real and everything like that. I don't need Jericho saying that, oh, NGF, he's a great promo. And for me, maybe that's where some of the buzz gets lost behind MGF is when that's kind of live on the broadcast. But you're just yeah. telling him he's great at speaking. I'm like, yeah, like, let him be an asshole without watering it down to going, he's so great at talking. I agree that with Jimmy then it's the case. I think it has been watered down a bit because it's on television and there are some things you can and can't say. Like I remember seeing a clip from an OTT show he appeared at and he said to the crowd, I wish the potato famine finished the job. Like that's a kind of shit he probably can't get away with. But like yeah, the Jericho being on commentary, he was just fucking insufferable, wasn't he? I mean he came up with this big Canada suit with all the like the Canadian flags all over it. Because it was Canada, which he kept reminding you three times a match. And they just spent the whole night basically trying to be as loud and obnoxious as that suit was. And like they were pointing out the models that they had around ringside to look bored as fuck. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, you're not wrong. They were just, like, sat on 
they had like for those that haven't watched the show but you're listening to this they had a couple of couple of women kind of in bikinis just on the set in um what do you call it deck chairs that's what they're called uh mm-hmm. just around the arena randomly and jericho was just jericho jr as well the creepy old bastard <laughs> <laughs> so they get a look in on a couple of them. Like they he were probably attractive. he probably retweeted their OnlyFans uh, a few times. <laughs> it's some sunny days ahead for Jr. <laughs> Speaking of things that are uh, sunny and luxurious, uh, the per uh, wow pro wrestling magic. I almost said fucking a uh, reset there. Patreon. 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 Patreon.com forward slash pro wrestling magic. It wasn't totally just going to say pro wrestling magic dark arts title. Uh, Singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship as Hikaru Shida takes on the super bad girl Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian in her corner. Um, This was without a doubt Penelope Ford's best performance, uh, not only in AEW, but I think her highlight of her career. Uh, This match goes about 11 and a half minutes. Um, and as somebody, I want to get this right out of the way, right at, at the forward here. Uh, I, as a person who is not always enthralled by women's wrestling, Hikaru Shida and Penelope Ford had a fantastic contest and I was into every single second of it. And, uh, this match was very, 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 very good. And I just want to applaud both of those women for really putting on a fantastic show and Kip Sabian being a really, really good corner man too. I think he was a lot of fun during this whole this whole match and uh yeah i thought it was fantastic nathan what did you think of the uh women's world title match yeah i really enjoyed it uh it was excellent as well kip sabian who i think was one of the the first time i saw him was during the brief stint that world of sport had uh returning to uk television and to see him in AEW and evolve his character it is fantastic. I like the callback with the kendo stick that they had in the match to uh, Shida's match with Nyla Rose. Was it Nyla Rose? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was Nyla Rose. Uh, so they had a callback there. And again, yeah, Penelope Ford, I think they were right on commentary. Jim Ross and Jericho, to his credit, I know I've just had a go at him, but to his credit, we're calling out as well. This is Penelope Ford's best match. And uh, she was excellent throughout. The kendo stick callback again, as I already said, was really, really good. Having Kip Sabian do the run-in as well after getting called away. After getting, sorry, thrown out by Aubrey. So Jericho and Aubrey continuing their little feud that they've got going. But I thought this was excellent. And uh, the uh, maybe Penelope Ford kicked out of a little bit too much of Shida's main offense, but that's nitpicking at best. And I think it's probably the right decision to have Shida keep the belt, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think the biggest mistake was having her kick out of the Falcon's arrow. Um, but I'm a big Falcon arrow fan. Anyway, Scott, what did you think of the uh, AEW women's world championship match? Yeah, I'm basically echoing the sentiments you guys made. Like I really enjoyed this match. It really over the last month or so, since then, of course, I'd like to have, like, get in the ring more often. She's been able to like, showcase her skills more often because she was really just used as a corner person for, like, get saving for a while. And so she really put in a great effort. Like, the moment where she did, like, the Matrix flip to avoid the, the move off the top from she then hit the, the stunner. Like, I think it's just the best moment of the match. And I hope that's a moment that they replay in packages, like, a lot going forward. Saving played his part really well when he so patiently grabbed the candlestick when he got kicked down like fine I'm taking this with me because him as a heel along with Penelope Ford has been really great for his character because when he first came in it was basically like 
look, here's Kip Sabian, he's young and flippy and British. Why don't you like him? But as a heel, going around with the early four and just being just obnoxiously good-looking, uh, I think it's just much better for the two of them, even though Penelope Ford lost. It was just a strong match for both of her and Cheetah. And absolute belter of a theme song for both of them, Kip Sabian mm-hmm. and Bel- and uh, Penelope Ford. Penelope. Um, I mean, to yeah. me, I don't mean to be blunt here or anything, but to me personally, I felt Firefest was pretty much a, very much downhill from here. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, with the, we're going to go right into the next match then. It's uh, Cody with Arn Anderson defending the uh, AEW TNT Championship against Jake Hager. Huh? Um, <laughs> with uh, his wife, Catalina Hager, who, goddamn, just goddamn. Um, so it, this match goes about 15 minutes, and I think the first thing that they had going against them was that they, they came off of a really, really solid women's title match. And then, like, if they had put the private party match next instead of the Cody match, I think maybe we'd be singing a little bit of a different tune. But, um, yeah, also, like, they just sort of under-delivered, I think. Um, Also, somebody should tell Jake Hager to maybe get, like, a logo on his underwear if he's going to wear that to the ring. Um, Because the (laughs) the blue screen, I think I I tweeted it out on, uh, on Twitter, obviously. I said something about, can somebody start just, like, green screening his pants and just put like random faces and stuff on them just for shits and giggles because his pants were like the exact tone of a blue screen. Like you can definitely Photoshop some stuff on there. Um, yeah. But Scott, yeah. Why don't you start off and talk about uh, your feelings on the TNT title match? Yeah. I, I watched back some highlights uh, earlier today. So just to refresh myself, cause it's been a wee while since I've watched this. It just looks like he's coming out and he's swim trunks. Like, he's going to the beach or something like that. I know it's Fighter Fest and that, but, like, you don't have to stick that much to the fucking theme of the show, Jake. And, weirdly, I actually think Jake's wife is a better heel than he is. <laughs> like, I remember there was an episode of that 10 pounds ago where they were hyping up a match between Nick Aldis and Jake Hager, and his wife was healing up as well. She even put herself over, basically talking about how good looking she is, like, putting over Jake saying, oh, yeah, you don't get a woman as good looking as me if you're not the absolute best. <laughs> And shit like that. And Arn Anderson, where it might feel bad that he got like shelled by Jake, but honestly, the way he screwed over Lance Archer at Dylan, I think he deserved it, the old bastard. But, you know, that's just me. And uh, I think they're both together, Cody and Jake, because they both started out in the WWE, and then and that's where they really spent most of their career, and they're not really exactly indie guys, to say. And so they both wrestle a similar style, i.e. flow. Yeah. But that combination did really make for a really thrilling match, as much as they tried. But yeah, I think the placement and the full place they tried to even take it, because Cody, for some reason, just loves a, a long match, really like didn't help us. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. This match was just too long. Like, Jake Hager, as we've already said, was wearing his boxers, his just underpants. Like, throughout the matches, sorry, go on. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure I bought a new a, a pair of boxers recently that looked a lot like the, the gear that he was wearing. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Like, Jericho, who's meant to be entirely on Jake Hager's side as part of the inner circle, is putting over Cody for like 90% of this match. 
uh, during it, there was the like if you're playing a drinking game watching Fighter Fest, just do for every cutter. Like, oh. cause there's about 900 stunners, cutters in this show, which is a critique that I point out in every AEW review that we do. But this was just slow. Like, it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't a bad match. It was utterly fine. Like, in parts, and Cody does seem to love a, a long match. And I guarantee, because the crowds at the minute are obviously people who work for AEW, and that's going to go for NXT when we go over there. It's people who work for WWE. They definitely asked them to glam up the noise during this match. Because they were about twice as loud during this match than they are for anything else on the show. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. For some reason, any time Jake Hager got within about 50 metres of Arn Anderson, he was too distracted by him to carry on the match, which was weird. But, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was fine. I think it was just fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was it was the Tesco's meal deal of matches. It's uh, fine yeah, and it's, it's cheap. Never <laughs> <laughs> either. Um, yeah, and I remember thinking at some point during this match, I was like, "Wait a minute, the time limit on the TNT title matches is twenty minutes. Why do I feel like I've been here all week?" Oh yeah, they said that during the like halfway through the match they're like jake hager knows he's only got 20 minutes like usually the world title match is 60 minutes i was like oh thank fuck yeah could you fucking, 60 minutes could you fucking imagine oh, oh my god cody's gonna go a 60 minute draw at some point in the near future i know it's it's fucking coming and i know we've been sitting on this damn match well yeah we have been and i think it would have helped if they had a better finish but they fucking didn't. Oh god, the finish made the finish like there's there's a joke around a little bit that Jake Hager, a tiny bit at times resembles Forrest Gump. But are you telling me that he had that choke on, the free count got called, which he didn't hear the slapping of the hands. Cody's music then starts playing loudly over the speakers, and Jake Hager starts celebrating, thinking he's won. I'm sorry, is Festus back? See, like, I have... How I have, fucking stupid do you need to be? <laughs> I have a, uh, a theory for that. Uh, if you were... Like, if you had heard the the intros at the beginning, you would have heard that Jake Hager is, quote, rock hard. And when... Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And when you are so hard for so long, it could cause your blood pressure to go up, which could cause a ringing in your ears. So what I'm thinking is, is that Jake Hager was rock hard for too long and had the ringing in his ears. And he just assumed that he had to have won because he was choking Cody out uh, and did not hear the slapping on the canvas or Cody's music. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense, because as I've mentioned, Jake Hager is rock hard. I hope he's not rock hard because none of us have mentioned it yet. (laughs) Uh, it's just a funny visual to him smiling like a big fucking idiot like for a good 20 seconds while Cody's music is very loudly playing as you said Nathan it's like Cody's music and Jake Hager's music sound nothing alike so like there's no way he could have confused the two like he's got some shitty rap thing whereas Cody's got this really heavy intro to his song so like there's no similarity and then he's suddenly like what when Justin Roberts 
experiences and still changes out. Because I can't even see how his shoulders would be down. And then he punches a ref. And even Jericho's made like, oh, well, um, trying to like, put over his like, a serious thing. Like, but refs get bumped all the time. Like, they get shoved about when they come out for pull-apart brawls. Like, why is this more severe than any other like time a referee took in a bump? I wasn't even like... Because uh, Jake Hager has now been suspended uh, for punching the ref in storyline. So he's now been suspended. They're making a big deal of it. But you watch it back, and it's nothing terrible. What they should have done, for shock value, they should have swapped the refs and had this ref referee the uh, the women's title match and have Aubrey referee this match and have Jake Hager punch her. Because like, I'm not saying women can't take a punch. Like I'm not saying the sex way. I'm just meaning that's going to have way more shock value for the everyday people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if you swap it, then yeah, I get it because you are going to get more shock value. If I shoot six foot six, Jake Hager punches Aubrey Edwards or whatever her name is. Like, but I just didn't get it because he just he just looked like a fucking idiot to be honest. Like, I wouldn't even bring him back. Just fire him. Fuck him. Get rid of him. As well, he looked like shit. He's not in great shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, this match, I don't know. It just under, it just under delivered. And hopefully, uh, Cody goes back to doing something. Uh, I think, I think right now, maybe something like of interest. I don't know. Jake Hayer just doesn't do it for me. I mean, he had like another that other match with Dustin at Revolution that everybody's complaint was, um, like why like this match was too long and stuff. And at some point, it's got to be, it's got to be Hager's fault. You know what I mean? You know what's really funny is that he punched a referee in the face, and Dustin Rhodes, actual wrestler, was right there and did nothing. <laughs> he just stood there. <laughs> Like, they even zoomed in on Dustin's face, and he just, like, went, oh, you mad? Like, he just looked at Hager and then looked down at Cody. He's mm. like, man, let's step in. <laughs> Do something. Beating. Yeah. yeah. Neither did I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, this whole match was just sort of like, eh. So, moving on. Eh? Eh? <laughs> um, yeah, moving on. Uh, Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn with uh, Uncle Matt Hardy uh, taking on the inner circle, Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as Proud and Powerful. Thank God they're not using that anymore because that name was dumb. Um, uh, this match goes about 11 and a half minutes. Uh, I, seem, uh, I seem to see like a, like a theme happening here. Um, and uh, Private Party end up getting the win over Santana and Ortiz. I don't think that Private Party sort of deserved to win this match. They were very sloppy again. Um, Nathan, let's start with you this time. What did you think of this tag team contest? Yeah, it was fine. Like, yeah. I, 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 to be honest, I don't think I could name five things that happened in this match. Like, other than I remember Private Party being very sloppy. Some of the match seemed to happen in a like slow motion. Like, it was very slow. There was a lot of, like, clotheslines or punches that were ducked under, but they were missed by about a billion miles. 
there was about four or five different variations on a cutter or a stunner. And for some reason, like a hot tag happened on the feed I was watching. They were doing the thing where it was like the split screen that they kept banging on about on commentary, which I'm sure is amazing if you're in Amer- if you're in America and you're watching it there. But on the feed I was watching, they would carry on during the ad break. Like it wouldn't cut away to adverts. There would just be no commentary. And that's when they were on an ad break. And there was like a couple of quote unquote hot tags during the ad breaks, which I thought was weird. And like, so I was there and I was watching it and I, I assumed, okay, there's no commentary. It's an ad break. I don't need to massively pay attention to this. And I was like, oh shit, they made probably made a hot tag. And then it would just suddenly come back and Jim must be like, okay, we're back. And Chris Jericho did have a funny line where he said, oh, I've never trusted a guy with tails in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought it was just a little bit, something was off. And I don't know if it's just a lack of chemistry and or Uncle Matt Hardy didn't G up his people well enough. And again, it's weird having Jericho having to put over Private Party despite being the leader of the inner circle. Right, like, it, yeah. n- nothing gelled right. Like it was just a mixture that seemed a little bit off. But I, it was it was fine. Blair, I'm gonna give it Blair. And Scott, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I found it very difficult to pay attention to this match because they had Orange Cassidy come out, and he's just sitting by the commentary not saying anything. And Jericho just kept getting distracted from the match and just started yelling insults over at Cassidy, which then distracted me from the match because I'm listening to Jericho just yelling and not calling what's happening in the match. And, yeah, I agree that probably Santana Ortiz needed the win and deserved the win more because, like, I don't know what's happened since, like, we mentioned it at Double or Nothing. I just have noticed a weird shift in Private Fire where they're making a lot more mistakes than they did before. Because towards the end of 20, they looked like one of the best teams in the company. But I think they've had some time away where they're not wrestling as frequently. And I think that's definitely, like, the effects are clearly showing. And then they ran with sense, oh, yeah, the winner of this now faces the winner of the tie titles for those tie titles uh, the next week's Fighter Fest. And I really don't think Private Party should win because, one, I don't think they're ready. And, two, it would be fucking stupid if they did win them because the whole reason that Best Friends got their titles in the first place was by be- beating Private Party. So why would it make sense for Pirate Party then to suddenly win them next week? Because if they wanted to put the belts on Pirate Party, they would have had them win at double or nothing. Yeah, I mean, it just it seems like they're looking for something to get them through every week. And I don't know how long that's sustainable when you have to make TV every week or you lose your TV deal. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't exactly know. Um, but, uh, speaking of, uh, of every week, um, Kenny Omega and Adam Page took on the best friends who showed up in their mom's minivan, which was, <laughs> which was fucking fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, they, the, they showed up, she calls him back. She gives him a little kiss on the cheek. Um, they tell her to, you know, fuck off. You know, you, you could leave us, you could leave us here. Our friends are going to be down over there. Please don't say hi to our friends. Um, <laughs> Hmm. And uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent, they go down there. Uh, Orange Cassidy comes out onto the uh, the staging area next to uh, the commentation station up there. And uh, Chris Jericho loses his shit at Orange Cassidy for Orange Cassidy doing nothing. 
Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page defend the AEW World Tag Team Championships, which are my favorite belts in the company. I think they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this match goes about 15 and a half minutes. Um, this match was, again, it was all right, but at no point did I ever think that the best friends were like literally going to win the fucking tag titles. So, um, I'm going to go to Scott. Scott, what did you think about, uh, Kenny and Adam Page versus, uh, the best friends? Yeah, I like the whole being driven, like, their mom, like, driving them and I did like the Josh Rousey because to be driven to the ring by yeah, Trent's mum and then you pan to the crowd later on and she's up in the stands watching. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't like the, how certain people were that the best friends weren't going to win because I actually I wanted them to win. And I did like that the, the videos like on the road too that they did was basically like, oh yeah, you know, best friends, they're good. But, you know, and me and Pangman aren't best friends, but we're two of the best wrestlers in the world and we're the champs. They're like, yeah, but you're not a tag team, like a fish, a proper tag team, not as long as these two have been. And like the whole importance of their rankings, like you give them that to you, and the, these guys have been using their rankings as they should. Like naturally, the best ones have been getting one after one, and they've claimed their rankings to become the number one team. But then it just comes to like, oh yeah, but these, these guys are in the elite, so they're 100 times better than these two. And yeah, I'd, I'm not saying it was a bad match because like, Hangman and Kenny are good and I like the best friends but I don't know I just remember watching this thing like I was hoping for there was something missing that I was wanting from this match and I don't really can't really put my finger on what it was because they had like the full finishes at the end where it looked like the best friends could actually pull out the upset and like what's weird is also the, in the road to the kit putting over that double like the clothesline neat V-trigger like finisher that uh, Hangman and Kenny have been using how like oh that's put everyone away so far that when they've used it but then they didn't use that in the finish, and they never even like attempted to use that move, so it didn't play into the match at all. It came and just hit the lariat and and won. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, like I'm I'm even having trouble remembering like big points in this match, just because like like I, I believe it was Nathan before you said like this after the women's title match, it just sort of uh, or might have I, I one of you said it fucking uh that it gets sort of progressively worse as the night goes on and it's not that any of the in-ring action was bad per se it was just not memorable and it just i remember coming at coming away at the end of this match going like oh okay so like they really did just sort of save everything for night two yeah i'd um i'd have to kind of agree on that i like this match i thought it was good it was a good main event to have. Uh, I kind of have to agree with Jimmy a little bit that I never, I just never thought the best friends were going to win. So that kind of maybe set me up a little bit to be disappointed by this match. Cause obviously uh, it's, it's wrestling. So if you think, you know, who's going to win, you're kind of fighting a losing battle. But I thought the match was pretty good. I actually quite enjoyed it uh, as well. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the ending where the best friends kind of seemed to go down a little bit easily. Easily, I thought it was hilarious the way that they came to the ring getting dropped off by their mum. <laughs> it's really funny just because I could imagine that being me when I was like 14 getting dropped off at things. And uh, but I thought that was very funny. I enjoyed the match, but I, I never thought the best friends were going to win. So, And I think it's the right decision to keep the titles on Omega and Page. And I like the 
half dissension kind of thing with the beers uh, afterwards when FTR came out. Whatever FTR stands for, for who knows? Uh, let's see. What's the what's the one this week that we're gonna go with? Uh, uh, Frog Tree Ghost. I was gonna say find the retainer, but okay. Uh, find the retainer. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn it. Uh, let's say. Uh, Frighten well, the grandma. What? Why are we going with G? Oh shit. It's Sorry. FTR. All right, frighten the Ringo Star- Ringo Starr's birthday. All right, I was gonna say frighten the reindeer, but sorry. Yeah. Find the Ringo. Fly, fly the reindeer. Um, follow the roll. The follow the razor scooters. We well, just try to think of other words that begin with R. Cause... Finger the Reese. Whoa. No, th- no thank you. Whoa. All right. Um, so, I mean, I guess for uh, night one of Fighter Fest, we seem to all be in uh, pretty, pretty like decent uh, agreement that it's sort of like a okay show. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, next up is NXT. <laughs> So as I said, NXT, ladies and gentlemen, the Great American Bash, night one. Uh, are they back at full sale yet, or is this uh, PC stuff? Oh, no I don't know, because for some reason it, they might be dressing the building a little differently, but I think it's I think it's still the PC. Any hoozle. Um, so night one of the Great American Bash, uh, counter produ- counter programming at its finest, American made cars. Um, <laughs> And a lot of, like, interesting developments. Uh, We're going to go smoothly into the first match of the evening, a fatal four-way elimination match to determine the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship that will be decided later. Oh, no, actually, no, it wasn't a title match, so forgot that. Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim. Tegan Knox comes away with the victory in about 20 and a half minutes. So uh, I've been – oh, actually, hold on being handed a note here from Rogue Opinions Management says that Scott, you have some thoughts on the opening contest here? I, I do, but before I do that, I was say, looking at the cars that you used for the set just made me think somebody just recently watched that Ford v Ferrari movie with like Christian Bale in it. I've not seen it, but I just imagine these are the kind of cars that were in that movie. Just a random side note, but yeah, it was weird watching this four because when it got down to the final two, because it was elimination, it got down to the final two, and I'll talk about that in a second. It was really good. They had some really good back and forth when it was just the final two. But before that, it was just the best way to describe it is ropey as fuck would be the best <laughs> way to describe it. Because like, there just seemed to be so many random mistakes and awkward moments. Because like, cause I thought they like that where before all the eliminations would be much better. Because like, you got three of the best women's wrestlers in NXT and Mia Yim. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, she just does nothing for me. And she was responsible for a lot of the mistakes. Cause, like, there's a scene with this awkwardness after Candace was eliminated like so quickly. And the way Tegan Knox was kind of standing around, I'm like, did Candace get hurt like for reals and people are trying to cover? 
But I think it was just a case of like just get kind of sick quick so we can then build to the the street fight next week. And then Mia, yeah, like there's a moment where she goes to dive at the ring on 18 you knots, who slides back in the ring before she can get it. So just uh, Mia just hits, just lands on the outside. But the way the cameras cut, it looked like Noxy got back in the ring long before Yim had started diving. So it just looked like Yim just dived at the ring in. Yeah, what what what, what the fuck was up with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I quite like this match. Uh, the one thing that really pisses me off about Candice LeRae, and there's not a lot, this is really it, is that they keep calling her a poisoned pixie. Mm-hmm. So... If I read you the Google description of what a pixie is, it is a supernatural being in folklore and children's stories typically portrayed as a small and human-like in form. That makes sense. She's small and she looks like a human. But then we get to the bits that I really get annoyed about with pointed ears and a pointed hat. I don't know what her ears look like, but I've never seen her wear a pointed hat which I feel like is really missing. Because they mentioned nothing about wings, and she wore wings that time. Never seen her wear a pointed hat, though. That really pisses me off. Uh, I like Mia Yim. I'm going to stick up for her. You, you can do that all you want, you, but... You, yeah. It doesn't change the fact that she's mediocre. Yeah. I, when I got to Nikai V Notes, I really enjoyed it, because like, they've got that history, and like the near falls are really beautiful, because... They made you buy into the fact that Kai could win because she did the thing where she kind of called out you like a week or so before. So it felt like, okay, this is the direction they're going in. And I was like concerned because like, we hadn't seen any of Raquel Gonzalez. So whenever Tegan was in control, I'm like, okay, oh, this is the moment where Raquel's going to come out and she's going to just fuck over Lady Kane and that Kai's going to go forward and then she just hit the mulligan and then she hit the shine with him. Like, well, fuck, she's not going to kick out. That's because like, uh, she hit the shiniest wizard. Yeah, like they kick out a lot in AEW and in NXT, but like there's certain points we realize like because they kick out a lot, but they can't kick out of that. So they can't be like, wait, is that it? Especially if it's not like a finish you're expecting. But yeah, I'm happy for for Tegan to finally like get the shot because I think they've set the groundwork for Kai, but I think they're gonna wait for her to have the match at maybe the SummerSlam takeover because this Triple H was saying this was kind of the halfway point, so you can have. Kai, like maybe screw Tegan at her first shot to then lead to Kai v you. I think that'd be a good match, but you know, as I've said before, Mag, the bit for me the best one wrestler going right now is Tegan Knox. Not just because of her love of game, but it helped. But she's just I think she really deserves it. I think it's about time she got a title shot because like remember she showed up in NXT UK when she came back, got a match with Kaylee Ray, lost and then did nothing because I thought if they kept her around she could have been the UK women's champion. But I think she definitely deserves to be in the title picture. Yeah, I'd have to completely agree that she deserves to get a shot now. Uh, she's the only one in the Fatal 4 I think, maybe apart from Kai, who hasn't really had a proper shot at a title. I guess Candice LeRae hasn't really had a proper shot, but they're probably waiting on that as well after this rivalry with Mia Yim. I just kind of, to nitpick a little bit, I wish... I don't know what their knees feel like in Knox and Kai, but I kind of wish they're kind of becoming Seth Rollins in this bit. That in every single match, there's a knee problem at some point, or one of them grabs their knees, or the commentator mentions them. But that's very much nitpicking, and maybe I'm just being a bit shitty. But I'm kind of glad that 
uh, Knox walked away with the win as well. I mean, I like that Tegan Knox won. Um, I'm just sort of tired of uh, Knox and Kai uh, fighting each other. I think that they need to get away from each other, like further away from one another, because otherwise it's they're they're getting to be like the women's division version of uh, Champa Gargano. Mm-hmm. Like they're not having these really long, epic like seventy year matches that that those guys were having, but like. I, I just I we've seen them interact so much. Like let's get Knox away from Kai and Kai, let's get her doing something else. Let's maybe let's start actually using the women's tag team titles as like a cross branded thing and maybe we start getting Kai and Gonzalez versus, you know, um like uh Alexa Sasha Bliss and Bailey. Yeah, and Sasha and Bailey, but like also like Alexa Alexa Bliss and the icon, you know, all those other women's tag teams that are out there, I think that they need to start putting some sort of focus on that instead of just like the champions are going down to NXT. I don't know. Again, that's very nitpicky. And I don't know. This match was super long and um, it was good. There were vast portions of it were very good, except for the fact where Mia Yim was just like, oh, I'm supposed to dive out of the ring here. I don't care that nobody hit me in the last 45 seconds. And like, uh, leave her alone. No, Mia Yim is garbage. They were good dives. She made she made a very very good dating decision, and is <laughs> now, and is now sort of just the person who gets other people over when she hasn't really had a chance to like really catch on that much. But even when the crowds were there, it was just sort of like, oh yeah, I know her. You know, yeah, like she's good. She's gonna prove us wrong tonight at time of recording. Cool. I street fights amazing. I really hope I live to see the day where I am wrong about Mia Yim. Uh, something I was definitely not wrong about, which I heard a lot of people saying that they want to change their sexual orientation to, was Timothy Thatcher taking on Oni Lorcan in a 11 and a half minute singles match. Um, I thought that this match was a little ropey in parts, but overall I think it was really, really hard hitting, really, really fascinating to see these two guys who essentially do the same thing, uh, just beating the fuck out of one another. And every once in a while, these matches sort of work for me um, because normally like Oni Lorcan is good when he's up against like like people with slightly different styles. Same thing with Timothy Thatcher. Um, but honestly, this match like really just worked for me and I really enjoyed the hell out of it. And Timothy Thatcher got the victory in 11 minutes and 32 seconds. Nathan, what did you think about Timothy Thatcher and Oni Lorcan? Fucking hell. This is the manliest thing I watched all week. Yeah, right. Jesus Christ! Like I felt like an I felt like I had an iron deficiency after this, so I went and ate some nails. This <laughs> <laughs> this is old school as it gets. It's two people who don't look like they're particularly they don't they don't look like the wrestlers of today. They don't have a ton of abs. They don't have arms the size of buildings, but they were just, they're the scary fuckers down the pub that you avoid. That's what these two look like. And they just beat the shit out of each other. They did some great wrestling at one point. Mauro Ranallo was... Um, is it Mauro who commentated this show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, uh, Mauro, yeah. Tom Phillips, and yeah, Beth Phoenix. That's it, sorry. Um, it was on fire during this match. Beth Phoenix, I thought, is been, she's been great recently. We don't get to talk about... We don't do this at, these grapple updates too often, but I think Beth Phoenix has really come into her own in the last few months as well. I thought she was on fire during this show as well. But this is just, this is great. This is old school, so it's not going to be for everyone, but it's just two hard bastards beating the fuck out of each other. 
and they were hit they were hitting hard like none of those european uppercuts that missed by a billion miles only Lorcan was just punching thatcher in the face at parts of this i'm i'm not convinced they didn't just have a fight halfway through this like a genuine fight yeah yeah i mean i'm sure that these guys have faced off uh before on like the indie circuit and stuff so i'm sure they they... they have they even mentioned it before the match started sorry to cut you off but they mentioned it before the match started these two have faced off loads of times on the indies yeah so yeah this to me was um this to me like i said was very entertaining and because these guys know each other they knew what they were getting into with one another and uh I, honestly, I'd love to see more of this kind of stuff from the two of them. Bring back that fucking Lion's Den thing that they did and just give Timothy Thatcher all those matches because fuck it, why not? Um, Scott, what did you what did you think about this like sexual experience that was Wani Lorcan and Timothy Thatcher? Yeah, like, I, there's nothing wrong with like enjoying a case. I just want to see two guys just beat the shit out of each other. I mean, I'm from Glasgow, so, you know, any Saturday night I can go to the place like before lockdown, I can go to any pub and see a similar fight to this was just slightly less grappling but just as hard hitting uh i'm i'm really happy with how they put thatcher like i think he's somebody who people were worried about how they would present him because like as good as he is wrestling wise he's not the most charismatic but i think they found the right use for him and uh my one complaint about this match would be i thought it was maybe a bit short than i would have liked but i still enjoyed it like the way like how crazy like eyes a uh, thatcher gets by when he walks in like the final submission he seems like he's going to end up being, like, the the next version of, like, Ken Shamrock in the WWE, the way he just goes berserk when he puts that final, like, submission on. And part of me was really hoping that Danny Burch would come out after the match to kind of defend Oni, and, like, maybe that will lead to a, a very subtle match between Danny Burch and Thatcher, because I just want all the toughest people coming in and just battering. Him and them and Thatcher just battered each other, just a one after the other. Do Maybe you think then... that, like, um, sorry, uh, Jimmy. Um, do you think Timothy Thatcher is presented really well in NXT so far? I get the feeling if he was to ever leave NXT and go up to the main roster, I think he would struggle really badly because he's a really bad promo. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that as like he just can't speak very well. I think he genuinely sucks at speaking. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that. He's he's not awful in those uh, those vignettes, the fetch fetch can um, segments that he's been doing the last few weeks on NXT, where like he's just like beat, beating up young boys uh, in training sessions and stuff, and putting on uh, submissions on them and whatever thing. Uh, I think that's really th- those have really helped. Um, I think maybe we need more from Oni Lorcan in that aspect, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you're watching something, you just want to watch two guys beat the fuck out of one another, and that's exactly what this was. And fuck it. Oh, like, uh, I was into it. I want them to, for no, there's no reason for them to do it. But if, if uh, on my precious SmackDown, they went, okay, the next half an hour is going to be Cesaro against Timothy Thatcher. There's no reason for it. It's just happening. I'd be, I'd fucking. I'd just lock myself in a room and watch it and refuse to speak to anyone till it was over and I'd watched it four more times. You, you know what you, you know what they need to do if they want people who enjoy this kind of wrestling or like people just beating fuck each other? If they want to just like make everybody just as hard as Jake Hager like uh, while they're watching it, they need to at some point in the next few months at a or maybe not the next one but maybe the one after that give us Thatcher versus Cross 
and just let them kill each other. It's literally a fight to the death. I really thought you were about to do a Bluetooth ad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. When he when he mentioned Jake Hager being as hard as Jake Hager was, I said, motherfucker, about to reveal we've been sponsored. <laughs> um, I think uh, what I was going to say before was is I think maybe they need to, since they're bringing back all these old, um, you know, pay-per-view names and, uh, you know, stuff like that. I think now would be the time to reinstitute the brawl for all, but not a stand-up boxing tournament. Just make it these fucking fights. Take the ropes off the rings and fucking let, like, Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, Timothy Thatcher, fucking all, like, the hardest men in WWE and NXT. You get them in there, you get a hard body contest. You get them in there, and whoever fucking walks out with the most teeth wins. I know Timothy Thatcher's a little behind in that that topic will give him a handicap but um you know just do a brawl for all and make the like the winner like sort of like a king of the ring but it's less wrestling and more just knock down drag out like fights you basically want it to be blood sport yeah it's just blood sport it's josh barnett's blood sport yeah exactly 100 percent. he got he got name dropped in nxt as well didn't he that he did that he did well lad um how far can this Timothy Thatcher thing go? Because there's always these characters who are hard as fuck, but they're not particularly like a Ken Shamrock, um, who he did have a bit more charisma. But Jim Ross, if you ever listen to Jim Ross's podcast and they talk about the time Shamrock was there, always talks about how fucking unreliable the guy was. They just sometimes wouldn't turn up to house shows and things like that. Um, but how far can this Timothy Thatcher character go? Because you drop Carrion Cross who is super charismatic, has a great gimmick, and is also hard as piss. Whereas Timothy Thatcher is hard as piss, but there's absolutely nothing about him if you hand him a microphone in the ring. So how far do you guys think he can go? I think it depends on whether or not they have him join Imperium. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he just only needs a mouthpiece. It's like you got Malcolm Bivens... Who was Stop the Hathaway, and I'm pretty sure he did manage uh, Thatcher for a while, like towards the end of his evolved like title run. Uh, so I think if you pair them back together or someone of that like ilk who can speak for him, so like, don't make him exactly like a Brock Lesnar type, but like, like just because Thatcher doesn't really need to speak to show how tough he is, just let him like go in the ring and bar people and just have someone around you. Oh, yeah, this guy can make you make you tap it or he'll break your fucking arm off. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think you got to get Malcolm Bivens. I love Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Halfway, um, whether you know him as. And as much as I wish the Indian duo that he's been managing well, I think it's a waste of that I mean, guy's speaking talent. After that uh, leak, I don't expect to see much of Indusher for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. um. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the Indoshare thing is kind of weird. I don't know. Not 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 really a big fan of it either. I think they're just not. They're just not ready. Like, I, I'm sure the guy is given another six months training at the PC can get to the level they need to be at to be on a, on NXT TV. They've got the size, which is obviously why they've been rushed up. But they, I, I don't think they're ready. Yeah. I know nothing about wrestling. But um, I don't think they're ready. <laughs> well, 
uh, speaking about uh, knowing nothing about wrestling, uh, next up is a bit of a bit of comedy with Aaliyah and Robert Stone uh, in a handicap match against Rhea Ripley. Uh, had Ripley lost, she would have joined the Robert Stone brand, but fortunately enough for uh, for Rhea Ripley, she did not lose this match. She beat Aaliyah and Robert Stone by using uh, her submission move on the both of them at the same time, uh, looking like a big old monster lady. Uh, Aaliyah is one of those people that, like, she's on the lower end of okay, and she's been getting a little bit better here and there. Uh, Robert Stone, or Robbie E, as he was formerly known, uh, we all know that he can go, but right now he's pretty much just Robert Stone in the middle of this, uh, abu- like, self-abusive drinking spell that he's going through while trying to rebuild his brand. Um, I don't know, I, I, it, it was fine, it was comedy. Um, I thought that, you know, Rhea Ripley looked like a, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, she, she looked dominant, but she was supposed to, I honestly thought this match was a lot shorter, but sort of in the way that you remember a match being too long because it's boring. I thought this one was shorter, but still kind of just like whatever. Um, I don't know. What do you, what did you guys think? I mean, I don't think some people would agree with this, but honestly, I fucking love this. I <laughs> Really enjoyed. It. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like it was good because you had that really serious, like guys beating the piss out of each other match. You had a match coming after this, which had a decent amount of story behind it, and had like a big stipulation behind it. And then you had the big star from the main roster coming in for the main event, so you like you differentiated each match. And this was like a bit of lightheartedness to kind of break it up because yeah, Leah is not very great, and even when he was Robbie Robert Stone, was I don't think was the best wrestler. So believably, yeah, I don't think it's much a threat to see. Uh, Ripley just batter them because yeah you could have some fun with her being forced to join this heel group but I think she's meant for bigger things than that and so yeah her battering them to kind of get some like momentum back after she kind of took the pin in that triple threat at in your house and it doesn't look like she's actually going to be in the title scene for a little while so I think she needed this and like getting to see that that visual of her doing the uh, the double like reverse clover I thought was like a really cool like visual and there's very few people that could do that like her so yeah i think it's a fun match to have in the middle show like it wasn't gonna be like because i've seen it got like one or so stars from that's like it wasn't gonna be five stars but i think it accomplished what it needed to yeah i have to 100 percent agree with scott which i hate to do uh, <laughs> you but... Know you want to. <laughs> but yeah it's a stupid bit of comedy that served its purpose between a match where two people beat a share of each other before another match where two people beat a share of each other and that's kind of it would it have been in a takeover no it wouldn't have been in a takeover um and if this event wasn't split into two nights then no it wouldn't have made it if it was just a one night tv special but i think it served the purpose for the storyline it's been told i think Aaliyah does have a future i'm going to s- stick up for a little bit i think she can get better i think she's got a good character on the rise i think she's shown signs of something uh robbie i can't speak i don't really remember his work before nxt to be honest i've not seen it but he seems like he's a good mouthpiece and i think there is a good storyline they've got building there with him and Aaliyah that can go somewhere if they want it to and i think it got rhea ripley a nice big dominant win to set her back on the right track everyone's been moaning that she perhaps shouldn't have lost at wrestlemania well here you go they're building a backup she's still only what 23 or 24 or something got all the time in the world and i think you could easily throw her back into a proper storyline now 
get on that SummerSlam takeover with ease. So I think it served its purpose. It was dumb. It was stupid. But yeah, it was a ton of fun. Why not have fun? Yeah, I guess so. But um, I mean, I guess uh, the perfect uh, sort of uh, sort of like uh, antonym to that perfectly fun match was the perfectly boring and dismal Dexter Loomis versus Roderick Strong. Uh, it, that went exactly 16 minutes, according to Wikipedia. Um, this match I really wanted to like a lot, um, but it was just it was a strap match, obviously. And there are certain limitations that come from that. Um, Dexter Loomis and Roderick Strong. I, I don't know. This just went way too long. Uh, I, I just I this was another match. I was just sort of like, meh. I tried not looking at my phone for it. I tried not really uh, taking my attention away from the screen while watching it. But I honestly felt when I was watching this that it got it had gone on for like half an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just was not a fan of this. What did you guys think? I, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to agree with you, but I do. Uh, I like the Dexter Loomis character. They've got something interesting going on there. I just wish they would add a new dynamic to it. Like at some point, like what is he hypnotized by? Why is his stare so frightening? And everything like that. I thought, but I did think this match had some cool moments when he opened the trunk. Nordic Strong got super scared and things like that. I actually think, and as I said, I'm not a wrestler. I've never wrestled. I've never taken a bump, brother, brother, or anything like that. But I just think that strap match, I feel like you are, as Jimmy just said, adding too many limitations. I think there wasn't enough they could do almost. Like, I can't think of one strap match that I've really enjoyed. Like Randy Orton and Dusty Rhodes had won at one point, or the cowbell match, or whatever that was. Like that was fine. It was stupid and theatric. And but I can't. Like JBL Eddie Guerrero, man, they had a decent one at one point, quite a long time ago, sixteen years ago now. But I just feel like it took away Roderick Strong's engine, and that's the thing they always talk about because he couldn't run around the ring or anything like that, and. It was fine, but I agree with Jimmy. I, you, Jimmy, I think it was too long. No, but it was, yeah. I would never watch it again is really what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's interesting. Like, I kind of really, I very disagree with you two because I remember again seeing how well-rated this match was and how, like, some people don't seem to like Dexter Lewis, but I actually thought I enjoyed this much more than I thought it would. I liked the video package they had then went straight into Strong being backstage right before he's about to go out. Or like how they did that. The storyline with Strong basically being scared of, of Loomis after the whole trunk thing really has given Strong a lot more character work to do than he's had to do in like a long time and he desperately needed it. Cause I think outside of wrestling, out of everybody else in the uh, in this bit of the area, he's the most boring because personality wise likes of O'Reilly and Coley just basically outshine him and it's just so it makes it more glowing of just how bad promo-wise he is. I think they, they made it better for themselves by not making it like, oh, you need to touch all four corners, because there's only one way that, that match ends is basically, oh, I've touched the corner, but I don't realise my opponent's touched the corner, and they do that three times, and then somebody just sneaks by and hits the fourth corner. Like, it's the same finish. There's no other finish to a strap match like that that you can do, so they avoided that. I like Loomis. That you, we need more wrestlers like Loomis that are more character-based. 
like oh they don't have the best matches yet, but they have the match that their character kind of requires, and they rest within that parameter. Like it's like the fiend, you know, Bray Wyatt could probably do a lot more, but when he's the fiend, he has the moves that make sense for his character, and he sticks to them. And I like the, the interference of Fish, like when he ran in and he nearly got his head taken off by the strap. And then I think it was it really put Limits over to have him go over Strong because uh, even though Strong's kind of a lower down, I think, on the totem pole of the Undisputed Era, the Undisputed Era have been the dominant thing in NXT for over like three years, I think, almost at this point. And to have him be a member of the Undisputed Era fairly early into his run in NXT was a big deal for Dexter Loomis. You know, on, on these podcasts, usually we all give our opinions and then we move on. And it's rare, but Scott has just, you know what, Scott, you've just turned my opinion around. I do have a way of words. That, 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 that is genuine. That is genuine. Everything you've just said makes sense to mm-hmm. me. And I was sat here and I was like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> but I, I would like to change my opinion on kind of saying this match was a bit boring and a bit blasé and didn't really serve any purpose, which is pretty much what I was saying. But I actually completely agree with Scott now. I think it's good that Loomis... You're right, it's good that Loomis got a strong win. He got a strong win over Roderick Strong. And none of the Undisputed Era lose very often. Mm-hmm. Like, Roderick Strong probably loses the most out of all of them. And I guess you could say Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly have lost quite a lot recently. But it's quite unusual on a big show to see an undisputed member beating, well, two, really, because Bobby Fish got completely bamboozled, lose so so cleanly. So uh, I want to check. I think, yeah, I, I now agree with Scott. And it's not just because he's doing a quiz with us soon. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I agree that Roderick Strong, uh, his character work has been phenomenal. I think he's been really, really funny over the last few weeks with like the therapy sessions and the getting closed back in the trunk at one point and just uh, seeing, uh, we covered it uh, recently where it was just like Dexter Loomis on the outside, but then he's not there when the other guys look and then he looks back in the other direction. And it's just like, they like it definitely, I, I liked what they were doing in the buildup, but this match, it was just an eternity. But luckily, luckily the main event of the evening was Io Shirai taking on Sasha Banks with Bailey in her corner. The match goes 14 minutes, and it was fucking great. It was pretty goddamn excellent. And again, as I've mentioned earlier, I've, I'm usually very critical on women's matches because I think I've just reached a point of... Uh, I, I sort of expect a certain level of com- like competition out of any of my wrestling, whether that be women's match, a men's match, an intergender match, tag team matches, anything. And... Um, I, I, this one meet and beat all of those expectations. This match was fucking awesome. All except for a couple things at the end where like, I think it got a little too shenanigany, but uh, honestly, I think the shenanigans made sense with Bailey and with Oscar showing up, uh, Oscar showing back up in NXT for the first time in a long time. Uh, the way that Io Shirai covered Sasha Banks's face. So the referee couldn't see um, the, the mist was like a really cool added detail um and just like all the different ways that they sort of did all the little things around all the fantastic wrestling they made the most of their 14 minutes which was not what dexter loomis and roderick strong did in my opinion um 
yeah, these two just went out there. Uh, Sasha Banks had that great entrance with uh, Bailey and her dog. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I dig Sasha Banks's new uh, entrance music a lot too. Io Shirai, that that entrance music is a banger, and she's just a world class wrestler. Hopefully, we get Io and Sasha, uh, Io and Sasha again, and then like Io and Asuka versus Sasha and Bailey or something like that somewhere down the line. Because uh, yeah, goddamn, this this match was awesome. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think the the difference between like AEW and NXT on week one because you could definitely be the other way around because I think night two effect first looks a bit more stacked but with wave night one of these two shows it looked like whereas AEW started off hot but then kind of petered out yeah I was slightly wrong with the start the start of NXT with the start of that four way but I think then they just built and built to a great main event and yeah I liked the entrance like there's a picture of somebody's put up they photoshopped the dog with, uh, to make it look like he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, which I think is really funny. It was a strong match, obviously. It's, a, it's kind of basically a, a dream match, and you don't really get many first-time matches like this. And I think Bailey and Sasha have been cons- consistent highlights as tag champs because they've been going across each brand, and they've been better as a heel duo than you'd think expect them to, especially considering like we back at the Rumble, we were talking about them together, and we were talking about how boring they were, especially like, Bailey. but I think Bailey having two titles and the whole Bailey Dostrats thing has actually been a big improvement on that. And I do like, I get what you say, like covering up the face, just not show the mess, because like, I remember one time Asuka hit the mist on Charlotte, and I was basically covering her entire chest, and I'm like, it's almost comical like, that the ref didn't see it, because like, how can you fucking not see it? And one thing I'm disappointed about with regards to Asuka's interference is I thought they were going to do more with that. Because like when Asuka T she had back up on Raw this past week, I thought, oh, is Eo coming out? And then Carrie Sane comes in and I'm like, I like you, Carrie. But now that I was thinking of Eo, I'm very gutted to see you. Yeah, for Heard real. The table. real. Yeah, I think they've obviously we don't we don't need to dive in because we don't know the whole story. We only know what gossip sites pose, but the Kyrie Sane situation uh, mm. with WWE. She might be staying. She might be going back to Japan. Blah blah blah. But I think this made it. This was a proper main event. This had a big main event feel to it for me. Um, the entrances were great with Sasha coming out in the car uh, with Bailey picking <laughs> a really funny hat. And <laughs> for whatever reason, they got the dog as well, who didn't look like he was scared shitless. Which I usually I always watch for when people come out with like dogs. I'm like, oh, please don't have fireworks. But they didn't have fireworks. And uh, Sasha Banks in her American, Great American Bash gear and everything. And I just thought this was fantastic. EO, they delivered. I think they absolutely delivered. It was a bit shenanigan at the end, but they didn't want Sasha Banks to lose completely clean. But they couldn't have Sasha Banks beat EO, um, whatever. But uh, whatever it would, I think having Asuka come out. Uh, it makes complete sense storyline wise I think the follow up's been good as well on TV Uh, I I just think it was great I don't have any complaints about this match I thought it was fantastic Um, I would have liked them to have maybe had more time but that's TV for you isn't it and the no uh, commercial thing that NXT got to do as well I think that was very smart business for the main event as well so to give credit to nxt for that but no i think they delivered they knocked out the park yeah i definitely think that the no commercials thing definitely helped the feel 
of this match because uh, I agree I agree with you guys that this is this is one of the the last of a dying breed of those matches where like you're like oh fuck this is actually first time ever this is actually feel fantastic because Io Shirai is one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet as is Sasha Banks they have never faced off with one another and Io Shirai is on fire right now Sasha Banks has been putting in great work as always um, and just with uh, these two in the main event, I, th- I don't think they could have closed the show with anything better. Um, looking for, uh, you guys have anything left about night one of either show before we move on to something else? Yeah. Um, um, like you say, but looking at you like, team destroyed to the ring, as is to say, look at me, you Shirai. I have a new hat. You know, I think. For some reason, for me, Fighter Fest and NXT, like Fighter Fest, I feel like had more stars on it with Jericho and everyone like that. And but for some reason, NXT just had a better balance to it at the moment. And I think that's been evident. I don't know if you guys watch every, both shows every week, um, but I feel like NXT has such a good balance to it at the moment. Well, with its opener to its main event. There just seems to always be something going on. Whether I think AEW at the minute for me throws a lot more stars at things, but they don't necessarily have anything important to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I've got nothing. I've just got the dictionary definition of a pixie up in front of me on my oh, screen. And you're still just seething at that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I I think uh, AEW was paced a little bit better uh, just on the night. Uh, going back over it again tonight after not seeing it for a few days at this point, at least, um, I, I realized that maybe NXT, uh, NXT was kind of like a little bit better throughout because it, it sort of ebbed and flowed while a, uh, AW uh, sort of just started hot and then ended kind of like with a, with like a fizzle. Uh, I guess the one thing, the one thing we've not discussed is Taz promo and it's not something we don't tend to discuss real world things in these grapple updates. We tend to keep it very much to the grappling and itself. Florida man stories. Yeah. And also, yeah alligators and it's florida all of it's literally all of this podcast is florida nothing that we talk about doesn't take place in florida but taz brought up something that ventured out of florida and it's called corona i don't know if you guys have ever heard of that the beer not the beer no no, i don't i don't know what the fuck you're talking about okay there's this thing going around called oh have you ever seen the crazies it's a movie with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you should do after you've recorded this, go watch that. That's what this is about. And uh, But he brought up... He, he used the coronavirus pod- policy for WWE and AEW in a storyline reason. That it's got a lot of criticism, uh, quite rightfully so, I think. But what do you guys think about the fact that they decided to use... Uh, John Moxley's potential positive test as a storyline reason for the Brian Cage match not taking place. I think they needed to kind of cover for some people who wouldn't have known why Moxley wasn't there. 
So I think they needed to keep the storyline in people's minds and try and get to meet. And then they pointed out, like, yeah, yeah, he's staying away because he needs to get tested. But then that is like, well, you would have been tested if he came here. And you basically try and imply that you're just using this real world event to get out of the fact that you know if you were here, you'd lose that title to Brian Cage. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I'm saying that's probably what they were going for and trying to get like into their reasoning for it. I think that this was the week that the Taz promo sort of worked for me better. Like it finally clicked a little bit more where it's not just Taz slotting in uh, old Taz catchphrases for Brian Cage. And it became like it still definitely has that Heyman and Lesnar feel to like their partnership. But I feel like Taz is starting to get it a little bit more. And uh, the promo was a little bit better. And I agree. Like, I don't think, like, yes, wrestling should be an escape. And you shouldn't bring up COVID, like, every 14 seconds just to make sure people remember what's going on. We all fucking know what's going on. We, we, all, have the t- we all have TVs and internet feeds and whatever. But I think that it made sense to sort of bring it up. And the, the jab that he had at WWE for running, uh, what was the, does anybody remember the phrase he used? Like, a. He like said it was, they don't run a sloppy shop here. A sloppy shop here, right, right. So I think that I think that really, like, had the teeth to it. Um, and I think that, that it made sense to use it, um, especially because it wasn't as heavy-handed, uh, and it was still sort of within the realm of the AEW sphere. Um, I, I agree with the promo uh, wholeheartedly. I think that they definitely should have used it. Like, why the hell not? It's going on. Everybody knows about it. I think it, it it made sense to a point, but then for me, and this isn't me just being sh- shitty at AEW, I don't really care who wins and who does what, but then it did also come out on, on various news sites that AEW were allowing fans into the venue who hadn't been tested or anything like that, which kind of took away from the whole thing with Taz for me and it's like you know we both know that both companies aren't going to be perfect they're private companies it's not up to them to sort out a big disease that's that's going around the world i for me i just found it a bit unnecessary just because when i watch wrestling i don't want to be reminded what's happening in the real world i want to watch like i want to watch a weird guy who stares at people fight some strange guy who's got an obsession with backbreakers whilst attached by a leather strap i want to watch two people strap each other that came out wrong there's plenty of places on the internet you could do that (laughs) like i don't give a shit what's happening in the real world when i'm watching wrestling but so i for me i found it a little bit unnecessary also i just don't really understand brian cage yeah i mean i liked a lot of the stuff he did and impact the stuff i saw anyway like that match with michael elgin that he had was like really really fantastic i remember that that match being a lot of fun um, but, uh, overall, uh, you know, night one of both shows, they delivered to a certain extent, they disappointed to a certain extent and we discussed it all. Uh, but looking forward to tonight, which is night two of both shows, we're going to start off with NXT great American bash night two on the card for this evening, four matches, according to Wikipedia, Isaiah Swerve Scott taking on Johnny Gargano, Breezango and Drake Maverick. I am looking forward to that entrance so fucking hard, dude. You don't understand. You don't understand. Breezango and, and Drake Maverick, they, their entrance could be oh, oh, yeah. everything if they, if they aren't just all three of them pilots. If Drake comes out in the little fucking bow tie like, like Rockstar Spud again, I think I might actually 
like shit my pants with excitement. Uh, Brizango and Drake Maverick are going to take on El Legato del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza in a six-man tag team match. Mia Yim versus uh, Candice LeRae in a street fight, uh, which I think is going to be pretty fucking fun to watch. And then, of course, winner-takes-all match for the NXT uh, championship and NXT North American Championship as Keith Lee, the North American champion, takes on Adam Cole, baby, the NXT champion. The I think it's been 400 some odd days since he's won the title, so um, that should be pretty excellent. Um, and then over on night two of Fighter Fest, we of course have Kenny Omega and Adam Page taking on Private Party for the AEW Tag Team Championships. FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood. And the Young Bucks taking on the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha, excuse me, Lucha Brothers. I was trying to hold that back forever. Um, and an eight-man tag team match. And Colt Cabana and the Dark Order, Brody Lee and Stu Grayson taking on SoCal Uncensored. The entirety of SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky in a six-man tag. Nyla Rose will be in action against a partner that has not been, uh, partner, an opponent that has not been named yet. Lance Archer versus Joey Janela, which I am really, really looking forward to. I think that match could be a lot of fucking fun. Um, and Chris Jericho taking on Orange Cassidy, which if you haven't seen the poster for that match for tonight, do yourself a favor and check that out over on the AEW Facebook page. It is a thing of beauty. Uh, anything in particular you guys are looking forward to from either show before we wrap up here? Well, in regards to Fighter Fest, I think Nyla is in for her toughest challenge against the ferocious TBD. Never underestimate TBD. I mean, and <laughs> I uh, I want to say my so, condolences to the, so, the family of a uh, of Joey Janela because I think he's going to get absolutely murdered by Lance Archer. Nyla Ray is taking on the bitch destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if Lance Ar- is Lance Archer, he said Lance Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Archer doesn't doesn't dominate and destroy that match then he's fucking doomed um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think all of fire fest is gonna be pretty pretty damn good I, i'm excited to see what nyla rose gets up to the main event obviously jericho and uh orange cassidy that's gonna be something to behold i imagine uh nxt nxt i think if you follow the storylines that match, that show is fucking stacked mm-hmm. like uh, that's as good as it can be. I think, as you said, a Drake Maverick and uh, Breezango entrance is going to be perhaps just as good as this match is going to be. Uh, the winner take all, they promoted it super well on night one of the Great American Bash. That's going to be something special. Like, you got two incredible shows. Pick whichever one you're going to watch live, straight away jump in and watch the other one. Like on demand, it's it's perfectly possible through technology these days. I know everyone keeps banging on about the ratings. I know some Canadian megastar of a wrestler decided to print screening spreadsheets is the most productive use of his time. Not that he's a complete fucking boring prick or anything <laughs> like that. But his main event match against Oris Cassidy is going to be amazing. And like, I don't look, I don't think print screening spreadsheets is boring. But I'm just saying it's boring. Controversy creates cash, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, it so doesn't. Not when you're pulling. No, I'm not even going to bother. You know what? Good call. Good call. Scott, why don't you uh, start us off here on the plugs, 
let everybody know what you got going on and yeah yeah you can find me on twitter it's got my cloud 1996 you can find my other podcast at fb rambling and facebook.com for slash round podcast we're doing uh, some interesting stuff we're doing uh we're still looking this is more some more impact wrestling related stuff recently as well as we usual fraser stuff because uh paul's got brilliant a impact wrestling and i'm actually really excited for slammiversary so we're probably gonna check that out and might even do predictions for it so check that out on basically the same android podcast sites that this podcast is available on so maybe check this out that out once you finish listening to this and the quiz when that goes up Nathan, how about you tell the people what we got going on here at Rogue Opinions and what you got going on in your everyday life? In my everyday life, I've got Skype crashing, which just happened in real time, but apparently (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Wow. Um, Otherwise, just, uh, just, you know, just tweet, uh, tweet me at I am Jericho, hashtag spreadsheets are boring. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, uh, and you know, other than that, you know, other than that, go watch The Gift. It's a Jason Bateman movie from a couple of years ago. And let me know what you think at I Am Jericho. Fantastic. Also, you can make sure to go back in the archives, check out everything we got to offer here at Rogue Opinions. We're on Twitter uh, at Rogue underscore Opinion. Uh, go check Nathan out at Nathan Greenaway and I Am Jericho. And uh, make sure that you go and check me out at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. Patreon.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic. On the Instagram, Pro Wrestling Magic and at Wrestling Magic on Twitter. Got plenty of stuff going on over there on the Patreon from 15 cents uh, a day. For as little as 15 cents a day, you can join the inner sanctum of the kingdom. We got a lot of stuff going on over there. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another Grapple Update. And we will see you guys very, very soon as we talk about night two of Fighter Fest and Great American Bash. But for now, get out of my office!